This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome back to an episode of the Clear Jets podcast where it was Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael... We've returned from the game. We're in person together. First in-person podcast in a while. Uh, our, our voices are almost gone. Our hearts are empty. Our beers are empty. We're sad. Jets didn't get it done. How are you feeling? Uh, I think after having some time for just to digest it a little bit and just kind of remove myself from the MetLife Stadium atmosphere, I think, as per usual, we've both found ways to to look at it in a positive light and be a little more optimistic moving forward. But at the the same time, I think it is fair to kind of realize that I think I expected a little bit more from them in this game. And I think a lot of Jets fans did. Um, I think we all, or the majority of us expected that it was pretty likely they were going to lose against a, a great opponent. I know, I know I definitely predicted them to lose, but just the fashion that they lost was below what I expected from them. And and granted they played a really solid first half, but I, I think I just wanted this team to be one that could, you know, regardless of who they're playing, just play them well to the end and almost just about every single game that they play, but to, for the second straight year to be there in person, to watch a home opener where they don't score a touchdown hey. until garbage time, I guess where they essentially don't score a touchdown and the game is over by the time the fourth quarter starts. It's, it's definitely frustrating regardless of who you're playing or the talent gap with that team or the injury to the starting quarterback, regardless of any of that, it's definitely fair to really expect more and for those results to, to come sooner rather than later, because at some point you got to step up. Like you can't, go with the excuses of, you know, you're rebuilding, the team is young, injuries, whatever. At some point you have to step up. So I expected more, but at the same time, I think there was a lot of positive to take out of this game. I think the score is a little bit misleading in terms of how competitive the game was. Uh, and I think you could you could still move forward and think that the Jets could have a productive season. But at the same time, I, I was definitely, and as you can attest to, while looking at my reactions watching this oh, game, yeah. I was definitely not entertained. Oh, oh I have plenty of sad Michael <laughs> Nania pictures that I almost posted, but I was going to be nice. Uh, yeah, you were quite depressed, like, by halftime. Yeah. And, and, and then we rewatched the game just now, and it was like, they weren't out of it then. It, for some reason, it did feel – I think the feeling was this, where it was like, all right, we knew the Ravens were the better team. We knew they were a veteran team. 
And it was like, if you're going to win this game, you have to capitalize on the big moments. Right. Kind of like what Salah said. It's like, if you're going to beat a veteran team, you got to capitalize the momentum. And the Jets, it felt like they had had their opportunities in the first half and they didn't capitalize it. And multiple times. And even just re-watching it and realizing the amount of bullshit that happened in this. And not bullshit in the sense of like, oh, that, you know, that should, you know, never happen. Just, you know, unlucky shit that happened to the Jets are just one bad play ruining entire play. I mean, first of all, you're not going to win if you don't have a, a third down conversion until, what was it, like Nine eight minutes? minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, <laughs> like they didn't have a third down conversion until way into the fourth quarter. They would move the ball, and then it would be like the Corey Davis drop on the first possession. You had you had the Tyler Conklin catch for the first down on a third down. Then he fumbles it, and then it's fourth and six. And was that the field goal drive or was the missed field goal? The missed field goal, yeah. I believe. Yeah. It could have been the field. I forget. Well, they had the missed field goal, the mixed extra point. When you, when you get to garbage time, I guess you have the Carter wide open drop touchdown. The next drive, you have the Brees Hall fumble. Uh, I'm trying to think with the other, just like, oh, the, the Lamar Jackson fumble, or I don't know if it was Jackson. The Ravens fumble that Clemens hit with his head and didn't recover. Oh, yeah, it wasn't Jackson. Uh, um, yeah, Reed forced it. Right, Clemens exactly. Clemens come up with it. I'm trying to think of just all the shit that happened throughout the game where it was like they had their moment to capitalize and they just, I mean, the first, the first play of the game for the Jets was a 19 yard run from Carter. You're like, here we go. And then they just, Joe Flacco said this too. It just, they seemed lackadaisical and I don't mean to say anything. I forget the exact quote from Flacco, but it was just something I'll find it real quick. Cause it's right on my phone. Uh, he said, we would get right around midfield in a couple of drives. We should have had some energy going behind us. And we just kind of, Oh yeah, let's go. Let's go up to the ball in a nonchalant tone. We never turned the corner. It's like, a lot of that is on Flacco, I feel like. Like, his body language, like, he's Joe Cool, and that's nice to have when you, you know, feel like you're coming from a, a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback who's all flustered or whatever, and then you got Joe Cool coming into the game. But when Joe Cool is looking as flustered in between the snaps as Zach Wilson was, that whole nonchalant walk into the line, and then even in his dropbacks, he looks slow. Would you agree with me that Flacco looked as flustered as Wilson did at times last year? Like, and he, that was the thing we thought we were getting with Flacco. I was like, all right. He's not going to bring the mobility. He's not going to bring you the excitement that Wilson brings you, but he's going to manage the game. He's seen everything. He's played this team for years. I mean, obviously it's a different defense and different personnel, but similar principles. Uh, and he, he looked timid. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that was the most disappointing aspect of Flacco's performance. And, and look, it's not like we were expecting the world of Joe Flacco. He is a backup at this point of his career, but I think, we expected that he could come in and just do those veteran things at a good level, you know, get the ball out with good timing, know where your answers are to the blitz. And he looked as, like you said, as flustered as Zach Wilson possibly could have looked in this game if he played uh, or if it was Zach Wilson last year, um, you know, just the timing, getting the ball out wasn't great. Like that one um, third down curl that Elijah Moore ran and, you know, it looked like he could have caught it, but also, the timing wasn't great. The ball should have been there earlier. Um, and just when he was pressured, it didn't seem like he knew where his answers were. Um, and, you know, just the pocket presence wasn't good. Just being able to step up. And you made, you made a great point too about the pocket presence. Cause we're, we're watching the, the Cowboys bucks yeah. game right here. Uh, I mean, I, I'll let you make your own point, but it was about how Brady has his own pocket, you know, movement. Yeah. It's like, you know, obviously a quarter quarterback like Zach Wilson's going to bring outside the pocket mobility that a guy like Joe Flacco just isn't capable of, but even a, you know, statue pocket passer should be able to, you know, just step up in the pocket, shift to the left, shift to the right. And Flacco's just, even by his own standards, much more of a statue 
than I think we expected to see. So it, it was a really disappointing performance from him in many aspects. And I think that a silver lining is that, you know, you look at the players who you would prefer to be your scapegoat in a game for the Jets this year. And Flacco is right up there as, you know, if someone's going to cost us a game, then I would like for it to be him because you could look into the future and think, you know, Zach Wilson could be and should be a lot better than that. So I think you can. And granted, it's definitely not just Flacco. There are there were a lot of other guys oh, who yeah. were at fault who we'll talk about, but it was largely him. And I think you could very easily picture Zach Wilson playing in this game and making a lot of plays that Flacco couldn't make and the offense being more productive. So I, I think that's somewhat of a silver lining from a long-term perspective. Yeah, I, I think Wilson actually would have played better, um, which is not what I would have thought going yeah, into the I game. Agree. Uh, but I don't think it would have made the difference between the win and the loss. I think the reason, you know, so Michael was all depressed during the game. My dad was all bummed. I'm sure many Jets fans, you're going to drink the water right in front of the mic? Yeah, a little, little, little bit of ASMR. Um, but, like, I just felt like uh, they – I don't know. I wasn't as depressed like during the game when they were leaving because it the outcome was kind of what I I don't want to say expected because the score certainly wasn't and right. I didn't expect the offense to be that bad. But I kind of just felt like, all right, the Ravens are a better team. They're further along. Lamar Jackson is arguably the hardest quarterback in the league to defend against. But I think the Jets will represent themselves nicely. I think they'll probably lose a close game, but will be you know there'll be plenty of positives to kind of go off of. I would have thought that would have been, all right, Flacco has this offense moving. We're going to get a vintage Joe Flacco performance, but the defense is just not going to have much of an answer for Lamar. I thought, I think my, I think my final prediction I had us losing by three or something, or did I end up predicting a, a win? Or did I? Um, you were, when we were walking in, you were saying like, okay, we're going to win this game. I was, that, that's not I a was real two Miller lights and a Red Bull deep when I made right. that prediction. And that was also some positive manifestation. I forget what I said in the podcast. I said 30 to 27 going into the stadium. I think I might have both, had something different. On the I think podcast. we both predicted a, a close loss. There's something around a close high scoring loss. That's kind of how I felt it was going to go. The, but for me, when I was walking out, yeah, I didn't feel like this is a team that is going to just suck all year. Yeah. I'm not saying they won't lose plenty of games, but the Ravens outside of the bills are the toughest matchup on their schedule. Right. And it, there might be better teams that they face, but just what they do as an offense and how that theoretically should exploit what the Jets do as a defense. I was highly encouraged with the defense's performance because outside of the one big busted coverage, which we went back and watched it, and it was Joyner who thinks it's, what was it? He thought it was cover two, yeah. but it was cover three. Cover three I forget yeah. exactly what he did. And then he went, I think he went to go play. Yeah, he went to go play yeah, the deep half. He, he should have he, had the deep right, middle, but he like dropped back to play the deep half, thought he had inside help, really should have been him. Right, and then Whitehead, meanwhile, is going down. Yeah. And so then they, they just had a wide open touchdown. But outside of that play, because even the other touchdowns, like the one on Bryce Hall, what, what did you say it was? It was like, uh, Samini said it was like the tightest. Yeah, the tightest coverage on a passing touchdown in the league over the past four years, which I don't know about that stack, because like there are a lot of contested touchdowns. Yeah. But either way, it was great coverage. It's a great throw and catch. But I want to comment on your point a little bit because I like I see what you're saying because on the scoreboard and watching the game, it didn't feel close. It's, but from the perspective of how did the Jets match up against this team on a play to play basis, I think you did get kind of get the closer game that we kind of wanted to see. And it didn't manifest itself on the scoreboard because the Jets lost the big play battle so badly, like in terms of. The fumbles didn't go their way. They didn't convert on third down and they didn't get the 
uh, didn't get any big plays like explosives offensively. The, 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 the interception where Cager fell down. I forgot to throw the that interception. In there. And then the Ravens were able to get, you know, just a couple of big plays to bust it open. So there were a handful of very important plays that swung the scoreboard in a big way. But in terms of, you know, on a down-to-down basis, how did the Jets compete with this team? I think it, they did compete pretty well, especially defensively. But even on offense, as bad as it was, like they did move the ball on most drives. They just right. couldn't convert those third downs. They couldn't, you know, get it going in the red zone. The quarterback really struggled. Pass protection wasn't on. Route running at times. This is a lot of bad stuff to put a silver lining on. But either way, they didn't really go three and out that often. And they only turned it over <laughs> a couple of times. All right, I'm really sugarcoating okay. at this point. Well, I get it. But I see your point because, like, right. despite the scoreboard, you watch that game, and for the most part, they were competing. It right. didn't seem like they were overmatched. They right. needed to execute better in the big plays. Obviously, need to be a lot better. But for the most part, it was a competitive game, and you could see the, the talent on the roster. Oh, if their offense just gave them anything. Because the defense played lights out, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that was the thing. And, and kind of, you know, because you started to get off and they're like, well, okay, well, we only had this happen. And, and like, yes, you can play that game. And I think the thing that kind of annoys me is uh, like Connor Hughes, for example, he's going all against the, well, there should be, there's no moral victories. The Jets, when is it enough enough? And I understand he's got to get his clicks or whatever. And like, he has a, a point. I know some fans agree with that. And I agree with that to an extent, but I don't think really anybody in the Jets building is making excuses or like you said like a lot of times there'll be a tough loss or something like this and you're like where's the effort it's like the jets gave it 110 percent right are there certainly things that they need to do better yes are there also things that they did really well and some things that i didn't expect to do well like max mitchell for example i thought he had a yeah. very nice game you know i know the uh, i forget what's his era is it blatt zach blatt or is that the athletic reporter yeah. he said he had some tweet where he was like this week where it was like uh well, if the Jets just get an average performance, Max Mitchell, and everybody tore him apart. And he was right, kind of rightfully so to be torn apart because it's like, oh, well, an average performance from a, a fourth-round rookie. But I would say we got that. Yeah. And out of the two tackles, significantly better than Fant, who I yeah. guess it's a, it's a nice segue, so we'll just hop into it now. But there's some more stuff I want to go back to. But George Fant no, noticed it live. And then on the rewatch, because we started to say, geez, he got beat again there. Damn, he just got beat again. So we started to focus in on Fant. He might have been worse than Flacco. Would yeah, you agree with that? I, I think outside of Flacco, Fan was probably my next most disappointing player of the game because, man, I mean, like you said, when, when we were watching it live in person, he definitely stood out a few times. A couple of sacks, I think, plus a really bad um, run play where he got beat and then had a hold. And then watching it on the replay is just time and time again, a lot of the pass protection busts that happened, that happened were on him, and it was – uh, surprising to see because I think you know he got to move back to left tackle which is perceived to be his better position which he says was his better spot and uh, this was easily more rough than any game that I saw from him last year so uh, so yeah it was definitely tough to see that from him and then Max Mitchell I think he was okay I think he really did kind of live up to that average performance he he did get beaten a few times but and he, he, he was a tougher matchup the next few weeks. Yeah, and it's going to get tougher the next couple of weeks. But with that being said, I think especially in pass protection, I think some of his bigger losses were in the run game. But especially in pass protection, not, not too bad. I really think you could call it an average game, which is way beyond what the Jets, uh, I think, we're expecting to get from him. So, But George Fant, though, yeah, 
outside of Flacco, I think he's, if you want to point to anyone individually for the offensive struggles, I think he needs to be next on the list. Yeah, I think that was the weird thing about the game and kind of going back to the point we were just making where it's like, it's it's this weird feeling I have where it's like, okay, I'm an, enough with the moral victories, enough right. with the re- rebuilding. The Jets should be more competitive in the, the games. I think the feeling was, to me at least, was like, okay, I, I do feel like the scoreboard doesn't really paint the full picture. This was a game the Jets could have won. I did not feel like the Jets and Ravens were playing two different, completely different sports, which maybe that's a low bar, but considering the level of football we've seen in the last few years, I'll take it. You yeah. know, they looked like they belonged on the field, but the thing, and, and the other thing was, I feel like they won the battle in the trenches, not pass blocking, but on defense, they certainly won the battle in the yes. trenches. Yeah. The run defense was terrific. A big step up from last year. They did a great job of containing Lamar. The pass rush was getting after it. And then in run blocking, I thought they looked good too. And I was a little concerned about the run blocking because preseason and granted, you don't get to see that much, but they looked good. It was the pass blocking where they, they did lose in that phase. But overall, I felt like they won the battle in the trenches. And that's kind of like why I think the game felt a lot closer than it ultimately ended up. I mean, 9-24 right. to isn't like a, a blowout, I guess, but it it did feel like a blowout in the, in the middle of the third quarter when they hit that big touchdown. It was just like, wow, they can't get anything going offensively. But um, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add to that, but I did have, a I mean, I, I think I, I have a comment on the moral victories thing, because I know for me personally, like I a hundred percent get what all Jets fans are feeling. Like we're tired of having to come on these podcasts and talk about, Oh, here's five players who played well in this blowout, disgusting loss. That was not fun at all. Like, obviously I'm tired of that. We're all tired of it. It's not fun, but let's be honest here. We're going to watch every single game, no matter what we're going to be back next season and the season after that and the season after that. So you can complain all you want. You're going to keep watching. So I could choose to sit here and just be negative about everything and just beat myself up over it. Or I could choose to see the positives. So that's just well, okay. Right. That's just how I choose to look at it. Because Michael's Michael's going through the stages of grief because I was pretty much the state this the speech I gave to you at yes. You know, this, is, this is the like, character let's development. Just, let's right just be here. positive. No, this, this is the speech okay. you gave before. That, that but, doesn't mean you should ignore the negatives. No, no I a hundred percent agree. Like the negatives should not be ignored. This is not okay that we're still doing this. It's definitely not. But I just think from a fan standpoint of when you're you know processing these games. Like I would just prefer to look at the positives because that's what I can control, you know, is how I look at it. So I'm just going to focus on how can things get better moving forward because I am not going to be going anywhere. So it's not like I could (laughs) be like, I am so tired. I'm I'm putting my foot down. I'm sick of this. It's not going to do anything. You can't change it. So just, well, that, I'm going to focus on the positives. Okay, go ahead. There's a sliver of truth in what you're saying. Well, there's more than a sliver, but there's a sliver of truth in the sense that it's like all that that complaining, that bitching where it's just like, uh, I mean, just go read any of Jets Twitter right now. It's like, that doesn't really do anything. The positives that I do, uh, you're reacting to the, the Bucks touchdown. I'll take the fantasy points. The positives that you can react to is this. The way the defense played today against arguably their toughest schematic matchup. And we went into, I, we literally, as we were getting ready for the game, I was like, we're going to learn a lot about Jeff Ulbrich today. However, they prepare, I mean, like just schematically, they're tough. We saw we all saw that Colts game last year. Lamar is a handful. Michael Carter, even t- the running back, even called him the best QB in the league. And I can kind of understand that from a player's perspective, because there's no other quarterback that you have to game plan for like Lamar. I mean, he just does everything so well. Um, 
the level that they played on defense and then how poorly Flacco played kind of gives me hope in the sense like, hold on a second. It wasn't like they just beat up on, you know, the Falcons or the Panthers or something that the defense legitimately played lights out for 95% of that game. And granted you can't hold on against Lamar for that long. when your offense is doing nothing at a high level. They played lights out and the offense was moving the football and Flacco played terribly. So it's like, okay, hold on. Maybe we get our young quarterback back or hell we get just a more average Joe Flacco performance. I know he ended up throwing for over 300 yards, but just think of the performances that he's had in a Jets uniform. I actually feel like this was easily the worst one. And probably the worst we'll get a Flacco. I don't feel like we're going to get much. You might have worse numbers, but like overall quarterback performancing the performance. So my feeling is this, you, they played a great team. They did a lot of things sloppily. They're a young team that did not capitalize on momentum, made far too many mistakes. This game should have been much closer, but it's like this defense looks much improved and this offense I saw the seeds of a good offense. And like you said, should we still be here saying, well, we see the seeds of a good team? No, it's, it, this has to change. But this today gave me the optimism of like, I think this is going to change the season. Like I didn't see anything in this game that made me feel like, okay, season's over. We're going to be terrible. Whereas like, I think like week one, 2020 against Buffalo, you knew right off the bat, oh, this this is a bad team. This team is not going to be good. And for me, it was like, okay, Flacco played terribly. Fant played terribly. Greg Zerline played terribly. Braden Mann played poorly. Joyner didn't play well. But then it's like, you know, I thought that Garrett Wilson, and you can't even really see it on the broadcast because we went back and rewatched it, like I said. And But a lot of those routes, I was watching him. It's like, he's special, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just starting to zero in on him and his route running. He is special. He's going to be something. So, I mean, there's a few players I was going to go down the list, but I guess I'll pause at Garrett Wilson for a second. What'd you think of his performance? Cause to me, he really flashed in, in a, in a big way. And I think he needs to be taking some reps away from, from Corey Davis, who, who did end up having actually a pretty yeah. solid game. Yeah. I thought Garrett was, he was impressive. Um, like you said, the route running was good. Um, there was even, uh, there was one route in the, in the red zone near the end of the game where kind of ran like a little pivot route on the goal line, you know, just stop his momentum, go towards the pylon, totally toasted his man should have been a touchdown, but Flacco airmailed it. So bad one. Uh, so yeah, Garrett had good route running. Um, and then the big play that was kind of getting some discussion was uh, the really nice after the catch play he had in the first quarter where like I saw it was right in front of us. It was just, I thought it was going to be check down, tackle, get off the field. Right. But he made much more than something out of nothing almost moved the chains uh, and Salah commented on, commented on it after the game and said uh, I forget exactly what he said but uh, you know he basically kind of as rookie. great as the play was yeah. kind of called it a rookie mistake something he can learn from and and look I I agree because it was a fantastic play for sure but there is like a moment there after the second juke where he has that space and it's like all right at that point go dive forward, get that first down and just call it a day right there. So I think that's, there's definitely a little bit of a learning experience within that play, but at the same time, it is a fantastic display of, of talent and how good he can be. Um, and overall, I think the receivers were pretty good. I mean, there weren't a ton of drops between the the main group of receivers. Davis had a big one at the beginning, but it also wasn't a perfect throw from Flacco, but one you would like to see him catch for sure. Um, so yeah, I think overall the receivers were 
were okay. There were times they didn't separate all too well, but um, at the end of the day, they caught most of the balls that were uh, reasonably catchable and even made some catches that you maybe wouldn't expect them to make. So receivers, I was pretty encouraged for the most part. Yeah, I thought Garrett Wilson looked great. I think Elijah Moore uh, had some good moments. Uh, it wasn't like a bad performance or anything. I just think that the Ravens really keyed in on in, on him and yeah. focused on him. He did have the kind of a touch. I mean, touchdown and then took uh, Fuller's ACL with him. Yeah, and it got called back. Uh, I thought Davis, like you said, like I thought the, he had the drop, which was not great ball placement. That was another thing Flacco really struggled with was the ball placement it was just off all day, um, even on his completions. But after that, you, uh, Davis made a, a number of good catches over the middle on other bad balls from Flacco where he had to dive for them or jump up for him or slide for him. And um, so I thought, Dave, I think, like you said, I thought the receivers all good. I, I was surprised the tight ends weren't as involved because it was weird because they came out in that 13 personnel with Cager. Right. They make Ruckert inactive. And here comes our secret weapon, Lawrence Cager, which I, was I wasn't super expecting. Critical of that and, and Michael was just in my ear, like, what the <laughs> fuck are they doing? Like, and he was just all mad. Um, I wasn't, what did you think of that? I mean, obviously you hated it, but like, what, what did you, what do you think they were trying to do? Like, what was, they would hurry up in 13 the entire, yeah. they script those plays. So what was going on? Yeah. It was, it was an interesting idea to come out. Like we saw the starting offense Cager was out there. And then they ran hurry up and stuck with that personnel. Then they came out the next drive and started out. And and I didn't like it. I mean, I think it's an interesting package to throw out there occasionally. But I didn't like to start the game that a tight end, converted tight end, who barely made your team, was getting snaps over Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson. I wasn't a huge fan of that, especially because of the way they were using him. Like, if you're going to have him just run a drag route or a crossing route that doesn't require a ton of nuance and you could just get him going with some momentum for potential yak, which is where he's probably at his best. Then, okay. I understand it, but he was isolated on the outside running vertical routes yeah, it was odd. against uh, Marcus Peters. And there were even a couple reps where Flacco looked his way as one of the primary options. And clearly he wasn't open in that situation. So it didn't really make sense to me. And then obviously it became highlighted when he had the first, the penalty blocking and then fell causing the interception. Um, so it, it, it was a curious usage for sure. And then they did kind of go away from it after that. So at least credit to them for that. But in terms of what they're trying to accomplish, I think, and like you said, when we were talking about it during the game, I think they just wanted to, play to the strengths and weaknesses of that defense a little bit because their strength is that the talent and the depth they have in the secondary. So they figure, why don't we go with big personnel, force them to take a DB or two off the field and put more weight on the field, more, you know, bigger D tackles or front seven players and uh, try to exploit that with three tight ends who we think can catch the ball and make plays after the catch. So uh, obviously didn't work out well, but I can kind of see the thought process. Yeah, it was odd. I do wonder how much Cager's involved. Because I do think that, going forward, I do think that he's an intriguing weapon. The way that they used him was strange, for sure. Right. I'd like to see him targeted, but I feel like the advantage he brings you is as a tight end and not – you can flex him out as a receiver, yeah. but that isn't capitalizing on what he was – because they just put a corner on him. You're yeah. 13 personnel. It's not like, okay, you flex him out wide, but they have to put a linebacker or a safety on right. him. It's like you flex him out wide and they got a corner on him, He's just a bigger receiver. Like, yeah. he, you know, so it didn't really change anything. 
Um, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. The play call, play calling as a whole, I felt from the floor. Well, what did you think? I felt like it, I mean, obviously there's always room for, for criticism. I don't like that. They didn't take a single deep shot and maybe that, I think, I think they did dial up a few that I will say, I think they got sacked on a number yeah. of them and, and Flacco had to get rid of it or roll out and find somebody. So that maybe isn't as much on, on the floor, but I was saying something that Michael Carter said that was really interesting in a, in a post-game interview. Uh, he basically just said, you know, like when we get down, we lose all of our rhythm and we start the play caller, like, you know, has to, you know, start playing catch up. And I think that's something that LaFleur does definitely struggle with that. There's a certain, and I feel like you could probably notice this with every team, but there's just a different mojo with the play calling when they're up and things are rolling and that's normal. That happens. But when they do get down there, for some reason, there is just a sense of desperation. And maybe that's not on the floor. Maybe it's just the history of this team and like the pressure that is comes with being in New York. But if they're down seven, nothing in the first quarter, it feels like, all right, we got to get a first down here. We can't like, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. there's, they lose that sense of rhythm of like, we can still run. I don't know. What, what did you think of the play calling as a whole? I felt like they weren't as aggressive as maybe they should have been. And then weren't, I don't know. I feel like they didn't read the, the flow of the game as well as they could have. Yeah. I think for the most part, I was, I would say I was content with it because a lot of, the offense they did get was kind of dialed up. Like they had a few nice right. swing passes out of the backfield. That's um, true. That a couple, nice. a couple of good screens. So LaFleur did kind of generate some offense. Not a lot of rollouts though. Um, but yeah, I think that would be the big question because I mean, obviously Flacco isn't mobile. I think clearly we all know that at this point, but uh, kind of the point of bootlegs and rollouts is that you don't really have to be because the space is naturally created for you. And they did run it in the dress rehearsal in the preseason a few times. Um, And, you know, Flacco has done it in his career, even though he's not an athlete. So there definitely wasn't as much of the bootlegs and the rollouts that I expected to see. And they probably should have done a little bit more of that, I think, especially with the run game, you know, being pretty successful and demanding, I think, a decent amount of respect. So I was a little puzzled by that. Um, but I do think for the most part, it, it was okay. Um, and, you know, they did have to get into catch-up mode pretty early, so they had to abandon the run game. Um, I don't know. I think for the most part, I was okay with it. And then with the cager thing, like, you know, it was a creative idea. It didn't work, and it, he did go away from it, to his credit. LaFleur did, for the most part. Kind of right. realized it wasn't working, and just pivoted. So credit to him for that. Uh, and Wilson played more throughout the game as he, you know, kind of earned that. So I think I was okay with it. But like you said, kind of, it was a little strange. They didn't have as many uh, plays getting Flacco out of the move with bootlegs and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then also maybe a little more vertical aggression. Yeah. Well, the thing that I, I, I knew I had a point with this and I couldn't remember when I was initially talking, but they didn't use as much of the jet motion yeah, as I thought yeah. they would have because they had that one, you brought it up, they had that. I think they had Hall and Carter on the field at the same time. Was it a play action to Carter, and then they threw it to Hall? I forget exactly what they did. They did. Do you remember the play I'm talking? About? It was like a swing pass or whatever. But this, when you face a defense like the Ravens, and they're going to get another test against the uh, the Dolphins in a few weeks, who we run a similar defense. When you run something, when you face that three four attacking man blitz defense, they put a lot of guys to the line. That east west motion. I feel like really opens up that entire, and even if it's not just like they obviously had guys motioning, but like 
there wasn't a single end around a Barrios, not a single little toss to right. him, the orb yeah. emotion swing passes, like all the stuff that oh, the bootlegs, the vo- like anything that that moves the defense horizontally, I think helps open up the vertical stuff. And it felt like they were a little too stuck in the the run game was working for the most part. Um, but they were a little too stuck in the intermediate part of the field for yeah. me because then when the Ravens started to come back off to be like, all right, let's just not allow a big play. Then he started to hit his checkdowns or whatever, and the Jets started to move the ball. But I feel like they could have opened that checkdown stuff up a little earlier if they got the Ravens thinking horizontally instead of vertically as much because they were just playing the sticks. And I just felt like, I don't know, they were. Uh, I, I don't put this loss on LaFleur at all. I'm not trying to, I actually think LaFleur, like you said, like he displayed some some creativity and there were a few drives and I was like, Oh, we're cooking here. Like we're really moving yeah. here. And then it would just stall. And I think that kind of changes your perception of the game where it's like, Oh, they don't even have a touchdown. It's the fourth quarter. It's like, but you forget they had like seven drives where they kept moving the ball yeah. and then it would be like a dumb fumble or a pick or the punt, whatever. Um, but overall I didn't feel like uh, LaFleur was too bad. I'm trying to think of some other guys who really, who really play. There's a lot of guys in the defense I do want to talk about, but I'm just trying to think of the offense. Is there anybody else that stood out to you? in a positive way. I feel like Carter was definitely good yeah, in his shifty sure. self. I think Brees Hall uh, is going to be good. He flashed some good plays. You put him in your positives list. I don't know if I'd go that far. I, like, he wasn't bad. It's just like, I feel like you should save the positive list for somebody who was a gold star. And I feel like Brees Hall, like, he was good. Certainly had a, had a few moments, you know, but he does get caught uh, he doesn't squeeze through the hole as much as I would like to say. I would say that would be my one criticism is him of him would be like Carter's a lot slipper, more sli- uh, the, there's going to be no easy way to say this. More know? slippery, more slippery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like when the hole starts to narrow down, Carter finds a way to get skinny and get through that hole. Tevin Coleman was really good at that. Yeah. And Brees Hall seems to get caught in those holes because he had one run in particular that was six. If he just, if he just got the, the hole was closing, I felt like he could have, and I think it was Campbell got him, but it was just like, Oh, Damn it. That hole, I mean, that hole was closing, but he gets past him. That's a 30-yard touchdown run. And I think you'll see him start to get through those. Because um, once he gets out into open field, once he gets a little steam going, that's when you really see his moves flash. Uh, outside of the, that, I think the offense was pretty blah. Uh, I do think the offense would benefit from a fullback. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's Ruckert. I don't know if that's signing somebody Baden's injured they cut wesco i don't know what it is but they didn't even activate rocker today so clearly cager was part of the the plan i do wonder what that looks like going forward because i think with the type of offense they were trying to play today it could have been a bit more beneficial to have a bit of a fullback in there do you agree with that yeah i i think potentially uh i, I mean i don't know because like they did kind of run the ball pretty well um but i guess the problem was you know, like you mentioned, the lack of jet motion, there wasn't really anything kind of creating additional pre-snap threats, like creating new running lanes, just unique ways to kind of create offense. And like in a lot of ways, the the jet motion can kind of fulfill the role of the fullback just in the way that, you know, we can create new gaps for you and things like that In, in a different way than a fullback, obviously, but kind of fulfilling the same purpose. So I guess it could have been. Well, may, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on this. I'd have to. I know we've technically seen the game twice today. I have to rewatch it ten more times. Yeah, ten more times before <laughs> I can really have an opinion to stick by. But from what I, off the top, it kind of feel like it felt like 
they didn't get they gave Flacco a few of these plays, like the easy gimme completions to get the drive going. But it kind of felt like if Wilson was the quarterback and you got the young QB, you maybe protect him a little bit more, give him those easy completions. Those and they gave him the screens, they gave him a few jet mo. But it felt like a lot of times they kind of just relied on Flacco being the vet. They yeah. really tried to go off the intermediate part of the field, and that really just didn't work. I mean, they had a few plays that worked out well, but it just seems like that was leading to a lot of their issues. Was trying to hit that 10 to 15 yard line yeah. range. And it just, the offensive line wouldn't hold up or receivers weren't getting open. And it was like, I think the offense, once they just started dinking and dunking and just going the easy completions, they just started to find the rhythm. And I think that's kind of what Flacco can give you. And then when the defense really comes up and plays the sticks, he's got that deep accuracy, but it just seems like they were content with more of a static offense. They still had motion, but just going after the intermediate parts of the field with Flacco. And it just didn't, I don't know. One thing if that's Brady, but yeah, know. yeah, I was going to say because I think they, I know they said going into you know going into the year and with Wilson's injury they weren't going to change it up based on the quarterback. But looking at today's game, it really feels like they did. It was different. It feels like this was a game plan built for Flacco's strengths. A lot more drop back passing than I think you would typically see from them. A lot fewer bootlegs. Yeah. Less jet motion. But he would have benefited from all that. Like, I know you say it's built for his strengths, but like. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like like they took him for granted. I think they did that to a fault because those things would help. You know, sure, he's not an athlete, but any quarterback can fake a handoff and run into open space and then, you know, read a flood concept or something like that. And he's done that before. It's in this offense where he was most successful as a Raven. So I think they went a little bit overboard kind of playing to his strengths and you know granted if he just executes better and makes better throws and just plays better then you know it would look better but I do think that uh, regardless of the fact that you know he's Joe Flacco and isn't an athlete I still think that playing their scheme the way they would with Zach Wilson in there would still probably yield better results because I just think that that offense is a better fit for the modern NFL it just it creates easier offense regardless of who the quarterback is i mean jimmy yeah. garoppolo is not mobile and this offense has been great for him so uh so yeah it does feel like they kind of went a little too flacco uh centric for building this offensive game plan today maybe it was based on the ravens and what they thought would work against them but uh maybe a little bit going away from what they want to do too much all right, I guess the story with the offense is move the ball, had some good moments in the in the run game and and some I honestly wasn't that many good moments for the past game. But you know, like they moved the ball. I thought they had some positives, but overall a bad quarterback performance, a really bad performance from George Fant, and the ball didn't bounce their way. And they have to be better. And I think they will be better. That's the other thing too about week one, where it's like, this is all you have to evaluate the season. Right, and yeah. I think we've done a better job this year of not, or at least my, myself, like last year, I was so upset after the Panthers game. And this one, it's like, it's a long season. It's got 18 weeks of this shit. And it's like, I think this is a team that for me, we're going to talk about the defense in a second. A lot of good things to talk about there. Not as much rationalization, but for me with the offense, I saw the seeds of a good offense. And I also saw an offense that, uh, with better quarterback play would have looked a whole of a hell of a lot different, you know? Yeah. Would He still ended up, I mean, he threw like 60 pass attempts, but he's, you know, he still had uh, 300 yards and they moved the ball. A lot of that was garbage time, but yeah. even before that, I just felt like they, I don't know. A lot of times with Gase, it was like, they couldn't even get a yard. 
and that a yard seemed hard yeah. and this was not that this was like they couldn't get a third down was the th- they yeah. couldn't come up in the big plays and so we'll see but it's, it's a long season i do expect them to be better next week um let's talk about the defense before i get into wrap-up mode because uh, the defense legitimately was great i really do there's a lot of positives to talk about i'm gonna start with some unheralded positives though because we all want to talk about sauce and some of the other guys the linebackers today balled out. This was one of the best linebacking performance I've seen from a Jets unit. I mean, I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, but in a long time, I can't really think of a, a yeah. performance that matches yeah. between Quan, CJ, and Quincy at his moments too. Especially Quan really has, has helped this defense. But the, the job they did, and we said it on, was it Friday's podcast? We said it on Friday's podcast that, you know, if they don't have, you know, will they be able to contain Lamar? Yeah. Will they be able to close in on those rushing lanes and those receivers? That's how this defense works. The heartbeat comes from the linebackers because if the linebackers, they're swarming the ball, even if they have an open guy for four yards and maybe makes a man miss, it's like, we'll keep that gain to five or six yards. Because if you don't, if the whole unit doesn't just surround the ball carrier, a lot of times those little five yard passes turn to 15 yards and it's that the defense doesn't work that way. And we certainly saw that last year. Linebacking unit, though, today, uh, I was thoroughly impressed with. What did you think of them? And then who were some of the other players that you saw that, that really jumped out to you on the defensive side of the ball? Well, yeah, the linebackers were really good. I think they were always going to be important in this game because, I mean, you figured that the defensive line would have trouble at the first level and that the cleaning up would be huge. But the defensive line did do better. But even with that, just the linebackers are clogging holes really well in the run game. They made the tackles when they were called upon. And then even in coverage, you didn't see them give up a whole lot back there. Um, so in both phases of the game, really good performance from the linebacking group. Um, and then I think the cornerbacks are the star of the show defensively. I mean, outside of the run defense, which was way beyond what I definitely was expecting. I mean, if you told me the Jets were going to give up 63 rushing yards on 21 carries – and Jackson would have 17, then I, I would have thought the Jets would have had a much better game overall. Um, but that was a huge win. And definitely the most impressive aspect of this performance was the D-line. But I think the corners were definitely my favorite part of this defense because they were just, they're fantastic. I think, you know, there were a lot of plays where the pass rush maybe wasn't getting home as quickly as you would like, but eventually they could get there because Jackson couldn't hit his first read and he moved to his second and he moved to his third. And then he decided to scramble because the coverage was that good from the corners Um, specifically Reed sauce and uh, Michael Carter, the second, I thought that trio had a really good game Um, sauce, the pass breakup on Andrews is as good as it gets. And there aren't a lot of corners in the league who who can make that play against uh, a star tight end like that um, and then to see sauce used uh, uh, as a matchup piece against Mark Andrews that was really impressive um, in his first game no less um, and then we talked about Ulbrich you know is he going to change things up there's an example of him doing it allowing sauce to get some man reps against the other team's best weapon who's a tight end so that was great to see um, Reed comes through with uh forced fumble which unfortunately they couldn't get uh and an inter- a fantastic interception granted was garbage time but it doesn't take anything away from it uh, and then his coverage i believe he had five targets didn't give up any catches 
Um, a couple of deep passes, he is right there, forced the overthrow. So he is fantastic. Uh, Carter the second had some great tackles underneath, tight coverage on one Andrews deep ball and another one that Andrews did catch, but it was a ridiculous catch and throw. Um, so the cornerback trio I thought was excellent. I don't know if you mentioned it because I, I zoned out for a second looking at the Bucks game, but did you mention the Whitehead play where he jarred the ball loose on the third No, down? I didn't bring that up. That, which was arguably maybe even a fumble, if you want to talk about something else that didn't go the Jets' way. Yeah. We watched that. What was it? it was like third and six. It Seemingly, they completed it, and Whitehead came in with an amazing hit and jarred that ball loose. Yeah. They called it incomplete, so that they punted anyway. But the Jets could have argued that he caught that ball and fumbled it, and the Jets would have the ball at midfield. Just another thing that that didn't go the Jets' way. Uh, But like you said, I mean, I I really thought they did a nice job. I think this was a real credit to Jeff Ulbrich, who has come under a lot of scrutiny. And we'll see how they perform throughout the season because they had a good game last year week one, too. And I think for defense, I mean, you know, go back to the Jets' last September win against the the Lions in 2018, you know, uh, I I forget exactly who said it, but it was almost like the Jets knew the Lions' play before the Lions snapped it. And sometimes when you have an entire summer to prepare for a, for an opponent, you know, you could do all that homework. You can really be prepared. I'm not saying, look, it doesn't happen every year, but like, we'll see what Jeff Orbrick's unit looks like week in and week out. You can't just judge it off of one week where they had months to prepare for. Um, but the discipline that you saw, and there's one play in particular with Carl Lawson where normally Lawson would run full steam ahead. He did against Tyron Taylor in the preseason, yeah. but he stalled, he waited. And he might have just had the QB spy on Lamar because he was opposite Lamar in the shotgun and whatever. But he he didn't dive after Lamar. And it was, they were just at a standstill. They just looked at each other for like a full second behind the line of scrimmage. Instead of what Nor- Carl would normally do, which is full steam ahead. And Lamar's expecting him to do because Lamar would just wait for him. And then like a, you know, a matador with a bowl is just jump out of the way. And he runs down the left sideline for a 30-yard gain. He does, he's done it his whole career. But instead, Carl waited. And then... Lamar had to run the other side and he got pushed out of bounds for like no game. Yeah. And that's a direct credit for Ulbrich. He preached it in the press conference on Thursday talking about, we have to be disciplined. And I think you really saw that the run defense to me was uh, outstanding today against one of the best rushing teams in all football. I know they didn't have JK Dobbins. I know they lost their left tackle. I don't care. It's Lamar Jackson. They did a great job of corralling him all day. They had the one blown coverage, you know, the tight touchdown that you can't really complain about. Uh, even on the third down, it was late in the games, so it didn't really matter, but he had that amazing throw to Mark Andrews on third down, which was tightly covered by Michael Carter, the second, um, a number of good plays that, that Lamar, you know, still ended up making, but the defense, I really just, I was quite impressed with. And I think that's the reason why not to keep throwing it back in Connor Hughes's face, but it's like all the hyperbole about like same old jets and all, you know, all this bullshit. It's just like, all right, I know today wasn't good enough. But there was a lot of pot. There was enough positives for me today to see. I can see the team that I thought we were getting. You know, you do have to remember this is still an incredibly young team and an incredibly new team that is still gelling together. So I don't know. I'm not trying to make too many excuses for them. I know. I know we we can tend to be a little uh, starry eyed on this podcast and get a little optimistic about the team. But overall, I feel feel pretty pretty solid about about today. I, no, I shouldn't say solid. Now, now I'm getting too rationalization. Yeah. I feel, I feel happy with the defense, and I feel like the offense will be better than than what they showed. Is kind of how I feel. So, I don't know how a mixed bag. Uh, is there anybody else we want to shout out? 
negatively or positively before we wrap this up? I think I wrote down a few things, but um, uh, I mean, I just want to expand on what you said about Carl Lawson. I think he really impressed me in this game. Um, and, and he impressed me because he was doing it in ways that are maybe a little bit different than what you expect him from the impact you usually expect him to make because we knew going into this game it would be a different challenge for the Jets edge rushers against Lamar Jackson in this run game but Lawson was really good in that disciplined edge role he had a bunch of plays where he stayed home and you know was patient and got in the passing lane for you know potential RPO or whether it was an option play he really held his own and did what he needed to do to, I think he deserves a lot of credit for holding Jackson to 17 yards and holding that run game to under 70 yards. I think Carl Lawson was a huge part of that, which is again, you know, you didn't sign him for run defense, but it's, it's not something, it's not something you expected to get a ton of from him. But in this game, I think it's, that's where he really played well. And then as a pass rusher, I think, he had a lot of really good wins. Some of them weren't capitalized on some of them, the balls out earlier, but he did have some really nasty wins and you could see, all right, he's still Carl Lawson and the big plays are going to come at some point this season. So I did, uh, I did like what Carl Lawson showed in this game. Yeah. And also I feel like the jets and maybe this will be proven in the next few weeks, going back and rewatching, they had a lot of wins, but when you're facing a guy like Lamar, you have to be disciplined. And so I feel like they sacrificed the opportunity for a few sacks a few times. Yeah. Not like maybe sacrificed, but I think in other games, like next weekend against Brissett, I feel like they can go pin their ears back a little bit more, yeah. and just get after the quarterback. And we'll see how that affects the run defense at all. But this one, they did a lot better of a job of like, obviously they're still aggressive, all gas, no break. We're rushing, we're sending four, we're, we're coming. Um, but I felt like they did a lot better job of, of not overcommitting against right. Lamar. Cause yeah. that's kind of like, what, that's what he, that's the kryptonite of every defense that he faces. It's just like, they come after him, they send the blitz and then he just makes seven guys miss and runs down the sideline for a 60 yard touchdown. And the jets were more conscious of the fact that like, if I got a one-on-one here with Lamar, it's better for me to just try to force him to hold the ball longer until my teammates get here than trying to dive at his feet and then, is a wide open lane for, right. you know, I don't know. I feel like they, they were a lot more disciplined and that's credit to Jeff Ulbrich who we have not been as, I don't want to say positive towards, but faced some, some heat from us yeah and a lot of people in Jets Twitter yeah. last year. So, and, and I'm look, I think the defensive performance you have to be really encouraged by because you look at the schedule, the Ravens are uh, aside from, I guess the bills, like you said, just because of how good they are um, probably the worst matchup for this team specifically on the schedule this year, just, you know, schematically philosophy wise, probably the worst matchup for this defense. And they come out, they allow under 300 yards, 24 points. And this is with zero help from the offense, from the special teams. Uh, I think at one point, I forget, I, I don't know what the final number was, but at one point deep in this game, I remember the broadcast showing that the Ravens average start was their own 40 yard line, which is obviously very good field position. Um, and even with that, the defense still held up really well in a matchup that should have been a huge, huge mismatch for them. So if the defense plays the way they did in this game throughout the year, I think it's it's a top 10 defense because you put in the same effort against other teams that you match up, you know, better against than this team that should be that is built to exploit what you do. 
you're going to give up a lot less than 24 points. And, you know, the right. offense helps you out at somewhat at all more than they did in this game. Uh, the defense, I think, you have to be really encouraged by. Yeah, like if I were to tell you before the game that the Jets were going to miss a field goal, miss an extra point, throw an interception, lose a fumble, not recover a Ravens fumble, have a blown touchdown. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Bad punts. Horrible punts all game. You'd be like, oh, they're going to get killed. But then on the flip side, if I told, oh, and, and if they didn't have a third down conversion until the fourth quarter, you'd be like, oh, my God, they yeah, got murdered. 40 plus would be on the board. You'd, you'd be like, oh, yeah, exactly. So that's why this game felt like a huge loss. But then on the flip side, if you were like, and I forget that you threw out some numbers earlier too, but it was like, I think the Jets had more total yards than the Ravens at, by the end of the game. But even for a lot, large part of the game, uh, they, you know, they had more yards than the Ravens. They had, we went through this earlier. Please help me out. Uh, um, or some the them. rushing yards by Baltimore. Yeah, right. Baltimore had like 60 rushing yeah, yards. And then we told you Flacco threw for 300 yards. Uh, I don't know. Or some other one. We went through it where it was like, all right, if we just said these stats, it would be like, holy shit, the Jets just dominated week yeah. one. And then if we showed you all the ones we just said, it'd be like, oh, well, they got killed. And that was, it was a mixed bag. And so I guess the, the overall sentiment, not to get too rosy or too gloomy, is just it's week one. A lot of stuff they could have done better. A lot of stuff to be frustrated by, but it's not the end of the world. This was not. This did not appear to me to be a team that is terrible, and you know is going nowhere. This this is still a team to me that looks exactly, uh, you know, they are who we thought we were. I guess in a way, yeah. They they are a young team, a lot of potential, some ups and downs, but I do think they're going to get this shit together. The, the way the defense played to me is more encouraging than any discouraging Joe Flacco performance, and maybe that's setting a low bar because yeah, ultimately this offense is going to be about zach wilson yeah so if the number one reason you struggle is joe flacco then i think you can live with that right that doesn't excuse everything else that wasn't you know not working from george fan to run blocking whatever um but i think you know the defense was really the hugest question coming to this game and they 100 percent answered the bell whereas your biggest problem on offense has a clear solution coming in a few weeks oh if the, if the defense puts up another performance like this next week i would be on this podcast this time next week talking about they're gonna be top 10 defenses yeah which is not too outlandish to say uh two more things yeah well not really one more thing but i wonder i do wonder that if uh if george fant keeps playing like he did this game and Dwayne Brown, we'll see if they said now they're hopeful he comes back this yeah. season. So God knows if he's coming back at all, he might retire by next week. Um, but if if Mitchell played the way that was another one that Max Mitchell was going to play yeah. average, one of the positives. Mitchell plays the way he's playing. Fans playing the way he's playing. You put Dwayne Brown at left tackle and you keep Mitchell at right tackle. And not that they're actually going to do that because Fant is clearly the, the vet. But I, I was really disappointed with his performance in terms of any i'm more disappointed with his performance than i am flacco's yeah i, I think i think that's fair because because you he, he was kind of a guy you thought okay I, well and not to get bogged down into the excuses when we're talking about rationalizing this loss but in in fans defense he would say yeah but i've switched positions three times this, or twice this summer and once this week and it's like, I know he said, I'm more comfortable at left tackle. He comes into the training camp with some uncertainty. He probably knew he was going to be left tackle anyway. But he's the left tackle for, what, two weeks? Becton goes down. He has to switch to right tackle. The offensive line is still all shuffling together. He plays right tackle for a whole month. He gets comfortable there. 
And then on Tuesday, because I think Dwayne Brown got injured Monday. They don't practice Tuesday. On Wednesday, he's moving back to left tackle. And he even said so much in his press conference, like, I don't have enough time to prepare. And I, you know, you never, I don't know how much film work and, and studying goes into being a tackle, but when you, when you see how technical all these moves are and stuff, yeah, I think it does matter. I do think it matters knowing the, the guy you're going to be lining up against having ample time to really prepare for, okay, what are this guy's favorite moves? I mean, he had enough time to do that, but you can't excuse the performance like that. You would have expected a much better performance, but again, something to keep in mind uh, with Wilson though. Yeah. They say he's not going to come back till week four at the earliest. Uh, I mean, they're not going to go back on that after they've, they've said it. It's the, it's the right move. The meniscus, if it was just the meniscus, I, I bet you he's playing next week. If not, he wasn't playing this week. But with the bone bruise, you don't want that. Some, that's just pain management throughout the season if you let it linger. So let it fully heal. Let it come back. Um, I guess the, the, the one positive of Flacco playing like this and the defense and the rest of the team playing like they did today is not just like the excitement of Wilson coming back, but just the – leveling his expectations in the sense that like I was all about the chaos that would come if Flacco had us at three and oh when, yeah. when Wilson returned. But you know, at least with this type of performance, if Wilson goes out there and doesn't have a great performance week four against the Steelers or week five against the Dolphins, you know, it's not like, oh well put Flacco back out there. He's right. Right, you know it's at least yeah. you got to see, okay, this guy is not our future. He's not going to give us the, the Jimmy G 2019 season that I thought we could. I think Flacco's gonna have a much better next two weeks. I really do. In fact I do think he'll win one of the next two games. Uh, that you you think we're gonna get a September win because we only get two more opportunities. Browns and Bengals. I uh, I don't know. It's so hard to say. All right, I I say they do. I I feel better about well right. Browns or Bengals. I feel better about the Is Steelers in September. No, it's the beginning. It's like October third or something. So it's like Got it. October second. Um, I would say. Psh- well, the Browns, I mean, the, no Watson Browns and the way our run defense played today, I feel pretty good about. But Miles Garrett is scary. That whole defense is good. But I don't know. We'll talk more about this in the preview podcast. I have to go watch the I – didn't, I didn't see how the Browns played today. All I know is they beat the Panthers by two. So maybe I'll go watch the Browns game and be like, oh, Jesus Christ, they're a thousand times better than us. But as of right now, my post-week one thoughts are – I think the Jets, there's no reason they can't beat the Browns next week. There's no reason they can't beat the Browns. They're not a team that should be that far off from beating the Browns. So uh, I expect uh, the Jets to win a game in September. If they don't beat the Browns, I, I think they, you know, Bengals, you know, Super Bowl hangover went to, did they, they lost the Steelers, right? Right. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But that's, you know, as, as you should know by now, predictions in this podcast mean nothing. Uh, all right. That'll do it for us. Follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter, Michael at Michael underscore Nania, myself at Ben W. Blessington. Uh, it was really cool seeing everybody at the uh, the tailgates today. I, uh, I did catch a ball on, on Joe Blewett, a perfect pass from Nania over yeah. here. Blewett, Blewett did bump me off my route quite a bit. I was right, like, I kept, I kept talking shit, and I was like, come on, I, I think I can. Well, I kept saying I was going to DM up because I got these long arms. I was like, oh, I got my sauce gardener on. But then he wanted to play defense. I was like, all right, I'll run a route. And then he, in fairness to Joey, I think he was a few in. But he did. Uh, he, he pressed me, and he, like, uh, yeah, that that he definitely would win the the bench press competition if we yeah. did the JetX scouting combine. But was gonna run a post, got turned more into a corner. But Nania with a dime, 
I got the wheels to get around that corner, the hands. And then he picked me up and almost just ran me into this woman. Did you see that? <laughs> I There's a woman that. on the phone. And <laughs> she had her back to us and, and blew it, had me. And then he like picked me up like <laughs> we were in practice or something. And then he just ran me right into her. And I was like, all right, we're going to run her over. And she was all startled. Um, but it was great seeing everybody at the game. Michael, you'll be back out here for the uh, Dolphins game week five. So yeah. we'll have another in-person podcast. Hopefully that'll be a celebratory win. A Zach Wilson home debut win. Yeah. Um, but before that, we'll be back on Friday previewing the Browns game. Uh, I hope everybody has a good week. Just uh, don't let all the overreactionary Jets negativity get to you. Obviously, this team has a ways to go. But like you said, Michael, we're not going anywhere. So might as well be positive about it. Um, everybody have a great week. We'll be back Friday. Go Jets.